Check. Can you hear me? All right. You guys doing well? Awesome. Hey, can we just thank God for Pastor Ray and Carol and just the leaders of this house? And uh, let's, just, let's just thank David and the team for leading us in worship. Can we just thank them? Can we just thank them? <laughs> You're like, we're not sure what we're supposed to do right now. Um, but it's just an honor to be with you guys. I just love your pastors and leaders, just their love for people. We had dinner last night, and I was just thinking as we were having dinner, like, um, Pastor Ray, Carol, the whole team, there's just such a love for people. Everything that he just said about me, I just say ditto back to them. And uh, I, just, I just love them and love what God's doing here. But it's an honor to be with you guys. Um, how many of you were not here? Was it like two years ago that I was here? How many of you were not here? So who hasn't heard me before? Just raise your hand. All right. Well, I just want to share just a tiny bit about myself. Um, I am from San Antonio, born in Canada, then spent about six and a half years at Bethel Church in Redding, California, um, and then uh, moved to San Antonio with my wife five years ago. Um, we have... Uh, Four-year-old twin girls that just turned four on Tuesday and one due in March. Um, so I am, and we have a girl due in March. So I was already outnumbered. Now I'm very outnumbered. So if you could just stretch your hand toward me right now and just say, Lord, give him grace in Jesus' name. Thank, thank God for Jesus and coffee. Um, they, they do wonders. But I have, a, I have a picture of our girls that I want to stick up there. I think I have a picture back there. Do we got one? And of my wife. There's my wife, Anna. There she is. You can at least see her in, in uh, a picture. My beautiful wife, Anna. And then I have a couple pictures of Autumn and Charlie. There we go. They are full of life, full of character. That's Autumn in the purple. Um, or on, on your right, that's Charlie on the left. Charlie's in disguise. So, so that's them. Uh, sometimes we don't even, we can't even tell them apart. Um, we can when we look at their face, but not from behind. Uh, when we have a babysitter, we dress them a little bit different for them. We're like, that one's Charlie, that one's Autumn. Um, so they can tell them apart. And we just mess with our friends. We're like, they're like, how do you tell them apart? And I'm like, we don't, we can't. In fact, to this day, I don't know who's who. So I just mess with people. Um, but how many of you know that this is a really exciting time to be alive? You know, I love the testimony that David shared uh, earlier about... Um, about his boss now being, you know, cancer-free. They can't find it. Can we thank God for that one more time? Yeah. Is it okay if I just share a couple, a couple more testimonies? I just really believe in celebrating the goodness of God. Uh, I, I don't know. It might have been a couple months ago. Uh, you know, I had, um, you know, we try to share testimonies every Sunday at our church. We have a Sunday night service. In fact, I... Um, after I preach here, we're going to go grab lunch. We're going to go to the airport. I'm going to fly home, and I'm going to catch a lift to our church for our evening service. Um, we start at 4.30, actually. Um, so we have a 4.30 p.m. service, and we try to share testimonies every week, just celebrating the goodness of God and celebrating what he's doing. How many of you know that it's vital that we focus more on what God is doing than what the devil's doing or what it seems like God isn't doing? Because what we focus on always increases. So we try to always celebrate the testimony, celebrate the good things that God is doing. So on this particular night, we're hearing testimonies of what God's doing. And a lady in our church who actually runs a ministry, a parachurch ministry in our city, um, but attends our church, shared a testimony of a gentleman that they prayed for and he was healed of cancer. We're like, yay, God, thank you, Jesus. And, uh, and we believe in releasing the testimony. So I said, Casey, come on back up here. 
I said, I want you to release that testimony. And if there's anybody in this room that has cancer or you know anybody in your family with cancer, I want you to stand. So people stood around the room and I had her release the testimony and pray that the same breakthrough she saw would be manifest in these people. Because listen, how many of you know that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy? And listen, testimonies are prophetic in nature. And what I mean by that is this. When we share a testimony, we are prophesying into the atmosphere that God's going to do it again. In fact, one of the Hebrew root words for the word testimony literally means to do it again or to repeat. So I had her share this testimony. And then I said, if you have cancer, anybody in your family has cancer, stand. I had her pray for these people. Well, one of our worship leaders named Michelle was sitting over on this side of the room. She stood for her grandmother who had a tumor on her collarbone that was so big, like just having conversation with her, you could like see this tumor on her collarbone. So she stood for her and her own confession later was, Chuck, I didn't even really have faith for this. I just thought, well, I may as well stand. Well, how many of you know that that's faith the size of a mustard seed? And that's all God needs. So that was a Sunday night. On Monday morning, I was at the gym and I got a text from Michelle saying, Chuck, I stood for my grandmother last night. I didn't even tell her or my mom that I did this. I just got a text from my mom saying she's at my grandmother's house and they're feeling around for this lump on her collarbone and they can't find it. It's completely disappeared. She has since gone to the doctor and... And Michelle told me that like, she was literally, like her energy was down. They thought that she was on her, on her last breath. And uh, she said her energy levels are up. It's like she's a new person and they still can't find that lump because Jesus dissolved it and touched her right there on the spot. Can we just thank the Lord for that? Another, another testimony that I just got just a few days ago like we really, and like, like this house, we really tell our people, like, listen, we love that God's moving in the church when we gather, but the purpose of us gathering on a Sunday is to equip the saints to do the work of ministry, to take the kingdom of God into the marketplace, into the grocery store, into the schools, into the streets. So we have a young lady in our church who teaches dance classes at a community center in our city. And she's a little bit wild. Her name's Amy. She has green hair and she's like tatted up. And she's like, she's like this young lady that's kind of a hipster but she teaches these dance classes um, in the community center to non-believers, you know, just out in the community. She just texted me the other day saying, hey, Chuck, I have a testimony. I just preached the gospel to my entire dance class and they all got born again. Every single one of them got saved. So this dance class, this small dance class, but still about seven in this particular class responded to her, to her message and gave their life to Jesus right there in the dance. Yeah, let's just thank the Lord for that. Listen, he, it's an exciting time to be alive. Um, I just told Pastor Ray and some of the leaders uh, just last night and today, um, I have a friend named uh, T in Brazil who leads a ministry called Dunamis. It's a massive youth movement, young adult movement, and uh, he's, he helped pioneer and launched this event that just happened this weekend called The Send with Lou Engle and some other leaders. They had three stadiums with worship and preaching simultaneously in Brazil. And over the course of the weekend, they had about 140,000 people in stadiums worshiping Jesus. And in attendance was the president of the nation of Brazil. And yesterday he got born again. As he's just... 
as he's just in attendance at this stadium event, the nation or the, the president of the nation gets born again. Again, I want to say it again. God's doing more than we realize. And this is an exciting time to be alive. And, and, and I really felt even during worship, like it's no coincidence that your pastor, Ray, and a gentleman that's going to Cambodia, and like for the size of your church, the number of people that have gone to the nations and feel called to the nations, I'm telling you, this house is called to the nations. And this house is gonna continue to impact the nations. And I see both for you, Pastor Ray, and people in this house, there's going to be a continuation of, of going and coming back, of equipping and sending to the nations to advance the kingdom of God because Jesus Christ is the desire of all nations. So I just prophesy and declare that this house is called to the nations to impact nations and to bring Jesus to the nations. So I bless you with that in Jesus' name. But... What I want to do this morning is I don't want to share um, super long because I want to take an opportunity, hopefully, to pray for everybody that's in here. I just saw during worship just everybody lining up and me just laying hands on everybody that's here, everybody that wants prayer and everybody that wants ministry. Uh, but I really believe that it is essential if we're going to be a people of the kingdom that see the kingdom advance through our lives, we need to be a people who are filled with hope. Everybody say hope. 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 See, hope can be defined as this. To have hope is to have a joyful, confident yeah. expectation yeah. Right, right. that good things are coming into my life. Yeah. Right. Yes. Romans chapter 15 verse 13 says this. The writer of Romans said this. He said, may the God of hope fill you. With all joy, everybody say joy, and peace, everybody say peace, in believing, say in believing, that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I want to say it again. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope. By the power of the Holy Spirit. By the way, I just prophesy and declare into the atmosphere that this morning, everybody in this room is getting a hope upgrade. Everybody is getting an upgrade in your joyful, confident expectation that good is coming into your life. Like what would happen if we were so convinced that, the, that God is good, that the Father is good? that every morning we woke up expecting something good to happen. That's being filled with hope. Like, I'm going to wake up with a conviction that God is so good that something amazing is going to happen today. You know, sometimes we have more faith in the devil's ability to bring attack against us than we do in God's ability to bless and prosper us. I like what Graham Cook said. He said, listen, when the devil fell, he only took a third of the angels with him. That means we still outnumber the suckers three to one and we have Jesus. I mean, come on. Like we have the upper hand, you know. So we need to have more faith in God's ability to fulfill our destiny, to fulfill his purpose in our life. But listen, to be a people of hope, we need to understand that we have a God who is way better than we think he is. You know, it's like, you know, we, you've, this is a house that believes God is good. You teach that God is good. But we need to, like, 
get a deeper understanding and a deeper conviction that he's really, 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 really good. Remember Jesus when he, you know, in John 14, one of the disciples came to Jesus. I think it was Philip. And he said, Jesus, when are you going to show us the father? And Jesus is like, oh, Philip, like, bro, don't you understand? Like, you've been with me this long and you're asking me to show you the father. Don't you understand that if you've seen me, you've seen him? In Hebrews, it says that the son, Jesus, is the exact representation of his being. Jesus Christ is the exact representation of the Father. So if you want to know what the Father's like, just look at the life of Jesus. He healed every single person that came to him. Everywhere he went, he was destroying the works of the devil. Everywhere he went, he was putting the kingdom of God on display. And he said, if you've seen me, you've seen him. So we need to have this conviction that the Father is so good. See, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. How much hope you have has everything to do with your belief system. How much hope you have has everything to do with whether or not you're believing truth or you're believing lies. And let me just say this. Any area in your life that isn't filled with hope means you're believing a lie in that area. Any area. I don't care if it's your finances, your relationships, your health, your church, your city, your nation. If there's any belief that isn't like glistening with hope, it means you're believing a lie in that area. And that lie has become a stronghold of the devil in your life. Listen, the devil was disempowered 2,000 years ago, yes? But when we believe lies, we actually partner with him and we actually we allow him to get a stronghold in our mind. That means when we're discouraged, when we're hopeless, when we're depressed, we need to say, okay, if I'm feeling a lack of hope, that means I must believing, be believing a lie about something because he's the God of hope. You know, and my wife challenges me on this all the time. If I'm ever feeling discouraged, if I'm having a bad day, she's like, she's like, what lie are you believing? And I'm like, I don't want to talk about right, that right now. I just kind of want to wallow in my hopelessness for, for a few minutes. <laughs> Has anybody ever been there? She's like, what lie are you believing? And I'm like, well, I think I'm believing that this specific situation is never going to change. And you know, it's interesting. As soon as you just speak it, you speak out the lie, it exposes the lie. And you start to understand how untrue it really is. And then we can replace it with the truth and go, no, 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 no. I just believe the lie that that situation is never going to change. The truth is Jesus Christ is the answer to every problem. And in Jesus, there's always a solution. This, God's going to give me a strategy. This is going to turn around and God's going to cause all things to work together for my good. So everybody say hope. Everybody say, I'm growing in hope. I'm believing truth. My mind is being renewed. And I'm being filled with the very hope of God. See, along with believing, along, along with believing that God's always good, we need to understand that part of walking in hope is really believing. And we were just singing it a few minutes ago. It's truly believing that all things work together for my good. Romans 8, 28. We know that all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Everybody say all things. all things. 
listen, it doesn't just say some things. It says all things. And let me just say this. Even your mistakes, God can work together for your good. He's that good. Like, he's that good. Even our failures, even our mistakes, even things that we did on purpose that we knew were wrong. If we will repent and turn our hearts back to God and say, God, I am sorry, I give that over to you. He will even cause that to work together for your good. It's like Bill Johnson says, like, God can win with any hand, <laughs> even a set of twos. I don't even understand gambling. I've never played a game of poker in my life. I just heard that a set of twos is bad. <laughs> but God can win with even that. He causes all things to work together for good. And let me just say this. There's a subtle difference between faith and hope. See, faith is really specific in that faith is like, I believe God is going to do that specific thing. And faith is important. We're called to have faith, but we're also called to have hope. Here's why. Hope is a little bit different than faith in that hope is a little bit more general and broad. And hope says, I don't know how that's going to work out, but I know that it's going to be good because he causes all things to work together for my good. And let me just say this. It's really important that we don't hold God hostage to answer our prayer in the way that we want him to answer our prayer. I'm speaking to somebody because I can feel it in my spirit. Sometimes we hold God hostage. If God doesn't do this, then he's not really good. That's dangerous. Because God works in ways that we don't always understand. And, and if we want peace that passes understanding, we need to give up our right to understand everything that happens. See, my wife and I, we have twin girls, but some of you don't know our journey. We got married in 2012 and started trying to have, you know, um, kids right away. And after trying for about a year, a doctor told us that we probably won't have kids. And... And that was, that was hard. I mean, keep in mind, we were traveling full time. We were seeing miracles. We were seeing people that couldn't have kids get pregnant when we prayed for them. We were seeing breakthroughs. We were seeing miracles. We were, we were part of a church called Bethel Church in Redding, California, where miracles happen by mistake. <laughs> and now we're faced with this trial being told that we can't have kids. And I remember in that, in that moment, we had to make a decision. Are we still going to believe he's good? And everybody with an anointing prayed for us. Bill Johnson, you know, um, people with healing ministries, our friend Joaquin, our friend that led the healing, the, leads the healing rooms in Reading. And, you know, we got all of this prayer, and, but we still weren't getting pregnant. And then we moved to San Antonio and we find out that we live 15 minutes away from the best fertility treatment center in the state. And then we go to our first consultation with the specialist there and we walk into the office and the nurses are walking around the office with t-shirts that say hope written across them. And they were, it's like they were prophesying into the atmosphere, we have hope for your situation. And in our consult with the doctor, he didn't say if you get pregnant, he said when you get pregnant. And we could just feel hope in the atmosphere, just in this regular hospital. And we could feel this hope in the atmosphere. And within weeks, we were pregnant, but not just pregnant, but pregnant with identical twin girls who are alive and healthy and number three on the way. And it's like God gave us the scripture from Isaiah 61 that says, instead of their shame, I will give them a double portion. Everybody say, all things work together for your good. And, and it's like God said, devil, you can mess with them, but just for touching them, I'm going to give them two. 
and, and I believe he's a God of the breakthrough. But listen, we could have held God hostage to say, unless we just get healed and get pregnant naturally, God's not really who he says he is. But instead, we said, God, we don't know how you're going to do this, but we believe, we believe that you're going to do it. And how many of you know that being healed through medicine is not a second-class healing? Because God uses all kinds of things, the wisdom of specialists and doctors and technicians and all of these things. But God caused all things to work together for our good. And now we have twins. And every time we see them, every time we talk about them, they are a testimony to God's faithfulness. And listen, some of you are facing some things in your life. I know as a church, you've walked through some things corporately over the past year. And I just want to say, well done. You've hung in there. You've persevered. God's pleasure is on you. But I want to encourage you, whether you're facing something individually or corporately, don't hold God hostage to doing it the way that you think that he should do it. Just hang on to the belief that he is good. And however he works it out, he's going to work it out for his glory. And he's going to cause all things to work together for your good in Jesus' name. Am I helping anybody? He's the God of hope. And he wants us to be filled with hope. Hope doesn't limit God to one particular outcome. Because he can move in many ways. Amen. And it's really important that we're anchored in his goodness. A.W. Yes. Tozer said, what a man thinks about when he thinks about God is the most important thing about him. So it's so vital that we have a conviction that he's good. My dad, um, my dad was diagnosed with... a. Uh, Lou Gehrig's disease, also known as uh, ALS, when I was at Bethel School of Ministry. He actually got diagnosed before I went away to school in 2008. Um, every summer I would go back to Canada. That's where I'm from, from Eastern Canada. I would go back every summer to be one of my dad's caretakers. And by the way, my dad, my parents divorced when I was two years old. Um, when I was in first year school of ministry, I was back home visiting uh, my family at Christmas time, and I was preaching in the church that I came out of. My dad came to hear me preach, responded to my altar call, and gave his life to Jesus. And then, in that following summer, I married him and his girlfriend. That was crazy. And I was closer to my dad during the last three years of his life than I had ever been. I became one of his caretakers when I would go home. The last conversation with my dad, um, as I was getting ready to go back to Reading to complete my third year school of ministry, my last conversation with him was, Dad, are you ready? Because I knew I wasn't going to see him again. I just knew in my spirit, I would pray for him for healing. I would see measures of breakthrough, but he wasn't getting healed. And I said, Dad, are you ready? He said, not, not 100%. I said, do you want to pray with me one more time that you just have that assurance that you're going to be with Jesus? He said, yeah. With tears in his eyes, he prays a prayer, confessing Jesus. I said goodbye to him. I knew I would never see him again. That was August of 2010. In uh, October of 2010, I was actually here traveling with Steve Backland, one of the, the pastors at Bethel Church. Ironically, I was here in Dallas at the time. Got a phone call from my um, sister saying, you better come home. Dad's not well. Um, so I leave. I, I get a flight home. I don't even make it home. He goes to be with the Lord. But I was just filled with this grief, but this peace, yeah. knowing that my dad's in heaven with yeah. Jesus. <laughs> and I could have held God hostage. See, see, my maybe my ultimate outcome would be my dad gets miraculously healed. He leads all of his, 
heathen friends to Jesus and revival breaks out in St. John, New Brunswick, Canada. That didn't happen. But guess what did happen? My dad got saved. My relationship with him was closer than ever. And now he's fully healed in the presence of Jesus, cheering me on as I preach the gospel. Because hope doesn't limit God to one particular outcome. Hope is just rooted in the reality that all things work together for our good. And the other thing that I want to share is this. To be a people of hope means that our hope is actually anchored in eternity. Like, does it blow anybody else's mind that we're actually going to live forever <laughs> in the presence of God? Like, sometimes I just think about this, and to be perfectly honest, I don't think about it near as often as I think I should. But I remember not that long ago, I was, just, I was with my wife, and I'm like, I'm like, babe, like, do you, how often do you like, think about eternity? How often do you think about the fact that we're actually going to live forever in the unbroken unbroken fellowship with God Almighty in glory forever. And check this out, we're never going to get bored. <laughs> the presence and glory of God, so glorious, so magnificent, so beautiful. Like, why do you think that, you know, the four living creatures are forever circling his throne, saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty forever, and they don't get bored. By the way, why do you think these four living creatures, which I can't wait to see, by the way, are creatures that are so covered with eyes all over their body, even under their wings? Could it be that God is so multifaceted in his glory and his nature that they're covered with eyes just for the purpose of beholding his beauty? And it says forever they're circling his throne saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And they're not getting bored. Well, guess what? We're going to do the same thing. And true hope is anchored in eternity where we realize, you know what? The reality is life on earth is like a blip on the screen compared to all of eternity. And we need to have lives that are anchored in eternity. And, you know, I think we could learn a lot from the church in the Middle East and some of the underground church in China. Like I, I, I uh, you know, in the past year, I, I watched a documentary. If you've never seen it, I encourage you to watch it. It's called Sheep Among Wolves. And it's about the underground church in Iran, which by the way, is the fastest growing church in the world right now, primarily led by women. We have a missionary that um, to Turkey and to Iran, um, that is, uh, considers our church or home church when she's in, t in town and she's part of the same organization. She's coming home with testimonies of people getting saved, of families getting saved. And, but listen, this, is, this church is primarily led by women and they're very covert. They're very, uh, you know, um, they're very kind of stealth in the way they're building relationships with people, but they're leading families to Jesus and then that's spreading. And you can watch some interviews on this documentary where these women, which it's so dangerous for them to be interviewed, by the way, um, because it's so hostile over there that they could, be, they could be beaten, you know, tortured, killed for their faith. So they're in disguise and their voice is distorted. But they're basically saying, every day we leave our house knowing that we might not come home knowing that if we're caught, we could be tortured, we could be killed, but we've decided a long time ago that Jesus is worth it and we're willing to lay down our lives for the gospel. And there's something about having a revelation of eternity 
that makes the church unstoppable. That fills us with hope. I love the story of John Wesley, the founder of the Wesleyan Church and the Methodist, the Methodist movement. He shares this story about his conversion. Of He was already an ordained minister, but as it turns out, wasn't yet born again. <laughs> and he was, he was on his way on some trip to preach somewhere, and he was on this ship on his way to this other land, and, and, and the, there was a storm broken out, and there was this group of believers on the boat called the Moravians. And if you've never read about the Moravians and the history of the Moravians, it was this missions movement uh, that was birthed in what's now modern-day Czechoslovakia, um, pioneered and founded by, uh, by a noble gentleman named uh, Count Zinzendorf, who laid down his life to just open his whole estate to this Christian community, where they started the first um, non-stop 24-7 prayer meeting in the, in the church, where they had a prayer meeting that was 24-7 that lasted for 100 years. And, and, and people, the Moravians were so sold out for the gospel that some of them would sell themselves into slavery in the West Indies just to go preach the gospel there. And uh, so, but John, John Wesley tells this story about how he was on this ship and uh, everybody's terrified, including himself. And there's this group of Moravians, women and children, off in some corner, just, just singing, laughing and singing hymns to God. And he's troubled and disturbed and provoked by these people who are so filled with joy in the midst of adversity, in the midst of being ready to possibly lose their lives. So he finally went up to some of the men that were part of this group and he said, what is wrong with your women and children? Like we might die. And they're just worshiping and singing and filled with joy. And the men just looked at him and smiled and said, it's, it's easy. Our women and children aren't afraid to die at all because they're anchored in eternity. And he said his heart was gripped and it's where you hear the testimony where he said, my heart was strangely warmed and I knew that I had to surrender my life to Jesus. Wow. And in that moment, he got born again because he witnessed what it looked like for somebody to be filled with the hope of the gospel wow. whose hope was rooted in eternity. And I feel like this is a house that is filled with hope, but who the Lord wants to release a fresh measure of hope this weekend. This morning. Some of you have been filled with, you know, maybe just uh, some discouragement, maybe just believing some lies, whatever it is. But, but I really feel like the Lord just wants to release fresh hope this morning. And uh, I, don't, I don't know if, is the worship team able to come back up um, or at least some of them um, to play some music? And, and I feel like the Lord just wants to release some fresh hope. Um, this morning, but as they come up, I just want to read from Zechariah chapter 9. And in Zechariah 9, starting in verse 9, it says this, but I believe this is a prophetic word for this house. So I want you to take it personally for your church and for you as an individual. And it says this, Zechariah 9, verse 9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Everybody say rejoice. rejoice. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. I just declare prophetically, your king is coming to your situation this morning. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. Now I want to skip down to verse 11. It says this. As for you also, because of the blood of your covenant, I will set 
your prisoners free from the waterless pit. Return to the stronghold, you prisoners of hope. Even today, I declare that I will restore double to you. I love this because it says, return to the stronghold, you prisoners of hope. See, when we believe lies about our situation, about our family, about that relationship, whatever it is, any area, again, that isn't glistening with hope means you're believing a lie and that area is a stronghold of the devil in your life. Any area where you have hopelessness is because you're believing a lie and it creates a stronghold for the devil. Well, how many of you know that God wants to create a stronghold over an entire city? And a stronghold over your life, over this church, over your city, and over the nation is created when God has sons and daughters who believe and declare his goodness and declare that he's causing all things to work together for our good. So I want us all to stand together. And I'm going to pray for everybody that wants prayer this morning, but I want us to make a few prophetic declarations because I believe there's power in the declaration. So I want you to attach faith to your words because when we declare things, I really believe angels are dispatched to fulfill the word of the Lord that we declare. So let's just lift our hands to heaven. And in faith, I want you to declare, God is causing all things to work together for my good. In Jesus, there is always a solution. I'm going from glory to glory. I'm going from strength to strength. My most significant days are ahead of me. The best is yet to come. For me, for my family, for my city, and for my nation. In Jesus' name. Say, I'm being filled with hope. I'm being filled with joy. Depression is falling off. Discouragement is being broken. Lies are being dismantled. Truth is being restored. My mind is being renewed. And I am, I am in expectation for good things to happen to me and through me to advance the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's just thank the Lord this morning. And listen, if you're here this morning and you're just saying, you know what? I just need a fresh measure of hope to fill my heart and to fill my mind. I just want you to hold your hands out like this and I wanna pray for you. Father, all over this room, I pray for a spirit of hope to be released right now. I pray for a spirit of encouragement to be released all over the room right now. God, if there's anybody that has come in with a spirit of heaviness, I break it now in the name of Jesus and I declare lightness, joy, peace, and freedom right now in Jesus' name. 
Some of you have even been feeling like a physical almost pain in your neck and in your shoulders. It's a stress that you've been carrying. And I see that just being lifted off of you right now in the name of Jesus. It's coming off of you right now in the name of Jesus. As you start to move around, it's actually in this section, um, in this side of the room, a little bit like maybe halfway back. I feel like the Lord's just, that's on you. It's coming off of you right now in the name of Jesus. The Lord says over you, the winter is over and the spring has come and you're stepping into a brand new season because he's making all things new in your life right now in the name of Jesus. He's bringing restoration and he's making all things new. I bless you with that in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Move it around. Do you feel that? Do you feel that that just lifted off of you? Yeah, let's just thank Jesus for that. Come on. Come on, let's just lift our hands into the atmosphere of heaven. We love you, Lord. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. We give you glory. We give you praise. Thank you, Father.